Welcome to the Fear and Greed Daily Interview. I'm Sean Aylmer. The unemployment rate for July edged slightly lower to 3.4% yesterday. That's another 48-year low. But there's a very interesting story behind the numbers. Employment actually fell, a decrease of almost 41,000 jobs. It was offset, though, by a big fall in the participation rate, which meant the headline unemployment number went down. Fortunately, we've got Carlos Cacho, Chief Economist at Jardin Australia, to explain the whole thing to us. Carlos, welcome to Fear and Greed. Thanks for having me again, Sean. So what do you think of the overall number, the 3.5 to 3.4 drop in the unemployment rate, but also the fall in employment? Look, I think it's a bit of a funny release where obviously the headline unemployment rate was better than expected. The headline jobs numbers were worse than expected. Most of the fall was driven by full-time, loss of full-time work. And at the same time, we saw a fall in the number of people participating in the labour force. So the participation dropped back. But I think the, the important thing is to kind of take a step back and look at it in the broader context of the last couple of months of data and the other signals we're seeing for the labour market. And and while at first glance it could look like maybe it's, it's a weak sign for the economy that we are starting to see job losses come through post the RBA hiking rates, I think if you look at it in the broader context of the other indicators we get for the labour market, like job ads or hiring intentions, I'm inclined to kind of look through this this weaker jobs print and think that it's, you know, it's, it's more noise than signal. And, and we did actually get some extra commentary from the ABS today around some factors that might be driving this. And in particular, they highlighted the fact that their reference period, so the period where they ask the survey respondents about, overlapped with not only uh, winter school holidays, but also a spike in COVID cases, as well as other winter illnesses that was more than double what it normally is, and flooding in New South Wales again. So you had a lot of factors which would have impacted the ability of people to actually uh, participate in the labour force and potentially uh, drove a, a lower jobs number and a lower participation rate. And indeed, you actually saw hours worked down about 0.8% on the month, while jobs are only down 0.3%. So it does look like there's a bit, of, a bit of an impact there from some of these other factors. I remember when I was learning economics at university and then when I started at the Reserve Bank, the thing that just stuck with me was, you know, the trend is your friend. So like one set of numbers doesn't tell you that much. You really need to look at the bigger picture. Yeah, exactly. And I think I think if we look at the bigger picture here and we look at, you know, I, li- I, I like to put together, I've got an index of leading indicators that I, that I follow closely and that's things like the, the business employment intentions from, from the NAB survey, the various job vacancies and job ad stats from ANZ, from the government, from the ABS, some of the PMI employment indicators as well. And if I look at all that holistically, it's still pointing towards a very strong labour market. And then you add to that the anecdotes we're hearing from businesses through reporting season. And, you know, there's no sign of any of these labour shortages easing anytime soon. You know, businesses are still crying out for workers and still saying it's, it's really hard for them to, to find them and to hire them and, re- and highlighting the risks of higher wages to earn going forward. Just bring that in because we had wages figures earlier in the week and there hasn't been a surge in at least the average national wage. But anecdotally, plenty of the companies that have been reporting over the past couple of weeks have talked about the need or the desperate need for workers really. But you know, when you, you can't find workers, you have to pay them more, it seems. But it just doesn't seem to be coming through in the official numbers yet. Yeah, again, it's another funny case where the headline can be a little bit deceiving for, from what's going on below the surface. And there were three things that jumped out at me in the, in the wages release that signalled that actually the, the underlying pressure on wages in the labour market is really starting to build. The first one was that 
for those people who saw a wage increase in the June quarter, it was 3.8% in the private sector, which is the highest we've seen since 2012. So only about 14% of people actually saw higher wages, but those that did saw a very large increase. And it's important to realise as we go into the September quarter, which we're in now, normally you have about 40% of workers receive wage rises then, so that the chance is we could see quite a large increase in the next quarter once you add that to the fact that we've got a very large increase in the award wage taking effect. The second factor was that we're now seeing wages accelerating in about 15 out of 18 sectors and above average in 16 out of 18. So that was about 12 last quarter. So you're definitely seeing a, a pickup there, kind of a broadening of the wages the wages pressure. And then finally, we're seeing the wages measure, including bonuses, pick up. So for the private sector, that lifted to 3.3% year on year versus excluding bonuses was about 27 So what that's telling you is that in many cases, businesses are using non-salary or non-wage measures to attract la- and retain labour. So they're paying larger bonuses, playing sign-on bonuses. There's been a couple of stories in the in the media this week about hospitality companies paying up to $5,000 to hire wait staff and, and kitchen hands. So I think, you know, it's important to look at wages holistically. It's not necessarily just the, the hourly wage someone gets, which is, is primarily what the wage price index measures, but it's also the overall cost to the business. So it's going to be things like those bonuses, extra commission payments, extra allowances, and even things like, you know, higher superannuation payments when the superannuation cap goes up. Stay with me, Carlos. We'll be back in a minute. I'm speaking to Carlos Cacho, Chief Economist at Jardin Australia. What do you think the Reserve Bank will be making of all of this, the wages stuff that you're talking about, the unemployment rate, the employment growth? What do you think it's thinking, and it meets again in well, a little over two weeks, the Reserve Bank board meet again? Will it be thinking about further rate hikes? Look, I, th- I think there will be. I think that there's nothing in the recent data that suggests the economy is, is really starting to slow materially yet. While the headline wages print was a little bit softer than expected, as I discussed, that, that details were stronger. I think that'll give them more confidence in what they're hearing through their business liaison, where they're hearing that 60% of firms are expecting to increase wages by more than 3% this year. I think the labour market, again, the leading indicators remain very strong. I suspect they'll look through this, this slightly softer print. The big discussion is really going to be whether they hike 25 basis points or whether they hike 50 basis points. I personally still think a 50 basis point hike is appropriate, given we're likely to see a big increase in wages in the September quarter, and also probably a pretty big increase in the CPI, given we've, we've seen that spike in energy prices, which is going to hit a lot of households from July. But the RBA has been clear recently in kind of softening their tone and highlighting the fact that they see quite a narrow path for policy ahead. And as we all know, if you're, if you're walking along a narrow path, you probably want to take slightly smaller steps to make sure you don't go over the edge. And so I think that, that they may be weighing on their, their mind that, that narrow path there, and they may decide that in the end, they'd rather you know, hike a couple more times, but have smaller hikes rather than keep up the larger steps they've been doing recently. Do you think they've done a good job, just the fact that they've had, well, three 50 basis point hikes in a row, they've kind of scared the economy somewhat already? I mean, it's interesting you say that. You know, I think you, you're definitely seeing that in the consumer surveys and consumer confidence is, is around as lowest we've seen, you know, 
in the last couple of decades. It's, it's at GFC or kind of initial COVID lockdown levels. But business surveys are still very strong. We actually saw a bounce in business confidence and business conditions in, in the NAB survey most recently. Confidence is, is modestly above average. And so, you know, it does seem like households are concerned. You know, there's certainly the, the Westpac survey certainly suggested that mortgage holders in particular are concerned and their confidence has fallen quite a bit given the impact of rising rates on on their household budgets. But I think if you look more broadly, and particularly at the business sector, it doesn't really seem like people are are too scared about rising rates. And I think more importantly, it's important to remember that the starting point of the economy is is pretty strong. We've got an unemployment and underutilisation rates at around 50-year lows. You know, we've got very strong demand at the moment. And that's part of the problem is that the economy is just running a bit too hot. And so really the reason the RBA is hiking is because they're trying to get rid of some of that excess demand, which is driving this high inflation that we're experiencing. Okay. I just, I mean, before I let you go, because we talked about this last time you were on, house prices. And every time I talk to an economist like you, Carlos, I like to mention house prices. There's more speculation during the week. ANZ was talking about an 18% drop before climbing again in 2024. I know your forecast you were about, was it 15 to 20% peak to trough, I think? Yeah, that's been a, that's been a view for, for a little while. And that, that's still a view, I think. Now, as things are shaping up, we're probably seeing the, the falls come through faster than we expected. So the, the data we're seeing so far in, in Sydney and Melbourne in particular has suggested price falls have, have really accelerated in the last couple of months. And so I think we're more likely to see that 15 to 20% drop come through quicker, but then potentially a, a bit of a, a plateauing or maybe even a modest recovery kind of mid to, to halfway through next year, particularly if the RBA decides to, to hold rates for a period or maybe even um, cut rates from the second half of next year. It's kind of relevant because the spring selling season is about to start and presumably this will be fairly critical in exactly where we do land over the next couple of years, whether prices keep falling over the next two or three months or not. Yeah, look, it is obviously a pretty crucial time for the market. We usually see a lot of listings, a lot of sales over the spring months. And and what we're seeing at the moment is, you know, that I think house prices are going to continue to, to moderate. Importantly, you know, the RBA is expected to continue hiking through the second half of this year. For us, that's the biggest driver in our view of house prices. It's really how much you can borrow. So if we do see the RBA hike to around 3% by the end of the year, as we expect, that's going to reduce people's borrowing power by, by another 12% or so over the rest of the year. So there's probably still a, a material you know, fall in the housing market to come in our view. Carlos, thank you for talking to Fear and Greed. It's always a pleasure, Sean. Thanks for having me. That was Carlos Cacho, Chief Economist at Jardin Australia. This is the Fear and Greed Daily Interview. Remember, you should get professional advice before making any investment decisions. Join us every morning for the full episode of Fear and Greed, Australia's most popular business podcast. I'm Sean Aylmer. Enjoy your day.